Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Nobody? Just me. Okay, I'm stressed out about the gimme. Okay. Anybody? Thank you, Jacob. We already talked a little bit. Got a, got a week of shopping to do. Uh, anybody else? Like, you, your stress was done, like, in one night. You had Black Friday. You stressed out over the shoppers and the lines, and then you were done. You just got it over with. Anybody like that? Okay, good. And who, who are the people who have been buying Christmas presents since August? Who are those people? My grandmother was that way. She would always... It doesn't mean you're old. I don't mean that. But... You are more prepared. Christmas is really about the giving. It's, it's interesting um, because this season always brings out the giving in us. Aren't we always kind of looking for somebody to give to? Right? It's like, it's like, it's like it starts to get a little cold. You get a little colder and, and you, know, you get past Halloween and, you, and, and that's a little taste of, th- of, of, of Christmas because you're, you're handing out candy. It's like, oh, this, this giving is good. And then it gets to be Thanksgiving and you're trying to be thankful for everything, but just long enough to start giving more stuff, right? And, and, and you want to give and you want to give. You're looking for somebody to be good to. You're looking for somebody to connect with because it's amazing this giving feeling that, um, that, that, ends up in a response of the person who receives it, right? Have you ever given to somebody and they didn't respond? You know what I mean? Like they just kind of sat there. Like, well, I'm never giving to them again, (laughs) right? Have you ever given to a kid and uh, you thought like it was going to be the greatest Christmas ever, you give it to a kid? Let's say they're in that tween age years, you know, you don't know whether to get them G.I. Joe's or to get them, you know, a new car. And, 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 And you get them something and then they're like, this isn't what I wanted, Right, my son's notorious for that. He's like he's so detailed. I got him Legos for his birthday, and he was like, he broke down in a complete crying fit. It was like these aren't the ones. Um, but it's like you're, you're, in a way, you're like you want to make it right. You want to give the right gift. And another side of you is like, I'm never giving that again. It's interesting that how how we are so gift oriented because we love the response. It's all about the response. And, and, and the Bible is, is all about this response as well. As a matter of fact, in John, it says, John 3.16, we all know that verse. Somehow, some way, some guy at a football game or, or Tim Tebow with it marked across his cheeks. Um, we've heard this verse that, that God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son. And it's interesting that, that that verse is really a Christmas verse. Jesus said it while he was alive, and it has nothing to do with this, the Christmas story. But it is the crux of Christmas. It is Jesus himself saying that my life is a gift to you. And that happens like in, in the last one-third of the Bible. The interesting thing is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he creates Adam and Eve, and he is interacting with them continually. As a matter of fact, he takes Adam and Eve and gives them the greatest gift. He gives them the world. He gives them a garden. He gives, them, he gives Adam a companion, so they, they're together. Man shouldn't be alone. He, he, they, they're, they're, the Bible says they're naked and unashamed. Hello. That's a gift. Okay. Just say amen. Thank you. Okay. That's okay. Somebody has to prompt that because we're like, should I say amen to that in church? I don't know. But it's the ultimate gift. And somewhere along the way, Adam and Eve mess it up and, and they, they break this connection with the Father. And then for thousands of years, God is busy about trying to figure out how to give himself to humanity. 
He develops systems and, and all of these things. And, and the, the problem is never God's uh, way of connecting. He always wants to connect. He's always better than we think. The problem is man. Because man, throughout the time, just eventually gets to the place where they don't connect with God. This gift of the world, this gift of, of God's presence and, and his nature, eventually just falls on this bad attitude of humanity that's like, I don't know if I like the gift that you're giving, God. I know you want to be close to me, I want anyone near me, but I'm not sure I want to take the time. And so he develops a system of sacrifice, he develops a system of the temple where they would come and they would worship, and they're all interacting with God in this way all the time. And then there comes a time when God says, you know what, I don't, I don't appreciate the way that you're receiving my gifts. Because man had grown hard-hearted in his soul towards responding to God. And so there's a time where, where, where it's kind of the dark period. It's about 600 years where God doesn't interact with his people. He says, as a matter of fact, when you go to the church, when you go to the temple, you're going to find a sign across the top of, of the door, and it's going to say Ichabod. Now, Ichabod is one of my, my favorite characters in, this, uh, in, in Disney movies, like Ichabod Crane, you know what I'm talking about? I love Ichabod Crane. He's a lanky guy, and, and the, 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 uh, the headless horseman is a pretty cool story. Ichabod Crane. But Ichabod actually means the glory has departed. See, God connected to humanity through his glory. In Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, they had the glory of God all around them. In sin, uh, they missed out on that glory, but God would still come down in this glory cloud. And, 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 and when God came down in a cloud, he was interacting with his people. He would speak to his people, and they would write things down, what he was saying. And they had, they had a response to what was happening. But as they didn't respond, says, God says, you know what, I'm just going to take my glory, my gift back and there will be no opportunity for response from you it'll be the glory departed it'll be ichabod over your life and for for hundreds of years 500 or 600 years there's this period where humanity is is in the dark they're missing out on connection with god until this moment until this moment when the angels show up and they have a heavenly host which is which is like a big angelic choir and they begin to say glory to God in the highest and then this next phrase is one of the most important because glory to God in the highest and on earth glory in the highest in heaven but also right here in your place because what God is doing he's restoring to humanity the thing that was broken it's like I know that, that you didn't want to respond to me I know that you didn't want to connect with me but I've always wanted to connect with you and throughout humanity he has worked on this plan where he can come and usher in the ultimate gift which is himself and he does it through his son he brings this baby into the world he says for unto you born a child and his name will be called Wonderful. His name will be called Counselor. He will be Mighty God. All of authority will be on his shoulders. This is Jesus, and he's just a baby. But this is what God wants for his people because he wants ultimate connection, ultimate giving, ultimate lavishing his love upon you. And that is where Christmas comes in. 
And so the angels, they, they, uh, they, they kind of hustle and bustle. They're, 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 the Bible says they're scared because the angelic host. I mean, we're, we're freaked out by, by alien shows, right? We're freaked out by, by horror movies and, and the paranormal. But imagine just the host of angels just show, like, ah! What are we going to do? And they say, peace, goodwill to you. Now, for thousands of years, they've heard of these stories. They've heard of Sodom and Gomorrah. They've heard how God is great and terrible, and it's kind of like Oz. And uh, they're, they're hearing all these stories about how God is judging, and God has removed his presence. But now he's saying, in this moment, as my glory returns, I'm going to usher in a new system. And I want you to know that, that there's glory to God in the highest and on earth. But there will be peace and goodwill to you humanity. And the Bible says, on whom God's favor rests, that you find favor in his eyes, like a child who comes before a parent and says, hey, can I, can I have five dollars? And it's like, well, did you clean your room? Did you clean out the dishwasher? I mean, you've had a bad attitude pretty much every day, and you start to size up whether or not they are worthy of your favor. But the Bible says here that God is giving the gift of his favor, the gift of his, of his nature and his glory in your life. And he says, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill to you, because my favor is going to rest upon you. And how he does that is he gives a gift. He gives a gift. The problem was before was the response. The Bible says that, that they were living in sin. They didn't want to turn their heart towards God. But now... God flips that and says, no matter if you turn your heart towards me or not, my favor is available. Available. It's like a gift that sits underneath the tree. Now, my kids, you know, like I, I, when I was growing up, my dad would, would, if he bought a present, it was under the tree. If it was November, it was under the tree. If it was, you know, August, it was under the tree. We left our tree up all year round because we're spiritual like them. Just kidding. But it was under the tree. So I thought when I become a parent, I'm going to put presents under the tree. But I have a daughter who's, who's special needs, and she also doesn't have a lot of restraint. Okay? Now, it's one thing. I have an oldest daughter. She's very slick. Okay? Now, I know that she would be like the kind that would like cut the tape and retape it, you know, look in there, and I know what this is. Figure it out. Now, my second daughter, she would just demolish all the presents, open everybody's presents, leave them out, and then walk around and give them to you. Like, oh, here's your thing. Here's your thing. I open it up for you. Because we're anxious to see what we get. We're excited to see what we get. But imagine if the, the presents were under the tree, and every time, you know, my dad would walk by and say, uh, hey, Brandon, I know what you're getting for Christmas. And you'd be like, shut up! I don't want to hear it, right? Because you're so anxious about it. But imagine if he'd walk in and say, Brandon, I know what you're getting Christmas. And I'd be like, eh, don't want it. He would probably withdraw his gift right away. God is continually giving and say, I know what you're getting for Christmas. I know what I want for you. I know the plans that I have for you. I know the future that I have for you. And often humanity is saying, eh, I don't know, I'm busy. I got to work today. I, you know, I got a lot of games going on this week. I know, I, I just, I'm just trying to make it through retirement. I know, I, know it's, it's, I, just, I just lost some loved ones and things aren't the way that I want them to be. And so I, I know that you have some gifts for me, God, but I'm just trying to make it work. That's often the nature of receiving when God is looking for a response. See, there's, there's, there's kind of three main parts to the Christmas story that we 
we talk about a lot, but the first one is the shepherds, and I told you about them. That this is the this is what the shepherds said in response to the heavenly host. They said, "Glory to God! You'll you, peace good on, on on earth, goodwill to men." He said, "You'll you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And they said, "When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about.'" That's a response. They could have been like, "Eh." You know, I mean, it's just another baby, right? It's just another religious thing. It's just God's another God's rules and regulations. It's just another version of God just trying to get us to, to be a part of his big religion. But they made it a point to respond to this kind of gift. There's another group of, of people that we know because we see them in the nativity scene is, is the, the wise men. Some people say there's three, but I think there was maybe more than three. I think there was a whole entourage of wise men that showed up. And the wise men showed up and because they followed a star. They had actually been following stars for a while. They were the kind of people who watched the stars. They were watching the rotation. And, and now we don't think too much about it. We can look on, on uh, the internet and we can look up and see Orion and we can match things up. But these people were looking at uh, the stars in a time when not a lot of people understood what was happening. They were looking for this one time when this star would show up and it would bring in the Messiah. Could you imagine the anticipation? They were waiting for that moment. It's like around here when we saw the, the big eclipse. It's like everybody's standing outside with their you know, goofy 3D goggles on, like, oh, what's going on? And you're like telling your kids, don't burn your retinas, don't burn your retinas. You know, They've been doing this for hundreds of years. We did it for a couple hours. Hundreds of years they're looking for this star to show up and these people were there at the time. And so they go and they, they go to Bethlehem following the star. They pack up everything. I've got to pack up and drive to Iowa for Christmas, and I'm annoyed about that. I hate packing up for all the kids and toting everybody around and buying snacks. Stopping, like, can I go potty? And then one has to go potty, and then you get a quarter mile down the road. It's like, I got to go potty too. And we're like, geez. Wish I was riding the camel to Bethlehem. You could just go out the side. And so here they are, they're traveling to see a baby because of the anticipation of this gift, of this gift. And this gift will be a king. And so they go there, and this is what uh, Matthew says about what they did. They go to Herod and they say, where is the one who has been born the king of Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. See, this gift was so great that they knew it was a baby in a manger. They actually gave three incredible gifts, gold, myrrh, and frankincense. They gave gold, which in that time and period, like we have gold on every ring and every chain and whatever. We got a, we got a pawn shop down the place. We can pawn off some gold. Gold in their time was so incredibly valuable. And what was I don't think it was just a few coins. I think these kings brought a, a, a significant amount of treasure that they bestowed on the young boy who would become the king of all kings. The frankincense, which is a, a priestly oil, it was something that, that a priest would use. And then myrrh was something that, that was actually used for burial. What a great thing. Hey, you're having a baby. Here's some embalming liquid. That's what they did. But they were significant of Jesus' life, what he would be. He would be a king, and he would be a priest, and he would die a death that would save us all. But they come 
to worship him. And the Bible says that these three magi, these three kings, bowed down to honor a child born in a stable. It was their response to what was happening as God would usher in a new time of his glory and presence. The third one is probably my favorite. But it's this young girl, and she is a virgin. She's waiting to be married to this guy named Joseph. She's pretty excited. You know, she's anticipating being married to a man of God and to follow him for all the rest of her life. And then, as she's a young teenager, an angel comes to her and says, surprise, you're pregnant. And she's like, what? How could this be? I've never even been with a man. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know anything about babies. And the angel says, actually, what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll bear a child. That's pretty crazy. It wasn't a how. It was, it was actually a who. It was the presence of God showing up. It was the glory of God showing up in her life. And, and she actually responds with this, with this, yes, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll live out what you're doing in my life. God, it was her response. As a matter of fact, this is what she says in Luke. She says, for no word from God will ever fail. Now, if I was a young virgin and my whole entire life depended on me marrying a certain man, I'm trying to think about this in certain terms, and, and my livelihood, and, and, and then if, if he doesn't marry me and I have a baby, and, and, then, and then it's like I'm, I'm like, the town harlot, everybody's going to talk about this, how I had a child out of wedlock and, and all of these things. When I've been trying to live my life right, it would be pretty scary. But she, in the face of fear, looks at this and says, no word from God will ever fail. What God says is true. And then she says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. I wonder what would happen in our life if our response to God and what was happening was not like, I'm too busy, God. You know, that doesn't fit my life's plan. It's not the way I expected it to be. But it was, you know, whatever you say, God, will be fulfilled. And it'll be perfect. It'll be wonderful. It'll be beautiful. As a matter of fact, may what you say to me be fulfilled. I invite it to happen. Please, let what you are saying become true in my life. One version of this says, no, it says, uh, may, your word be, may your word to me be fulfilled. In another version, it says, let it be done unto me as you say. I hope that what you say is what happens in my life. That's what it says. That's our response. When Jesus walked in the, earth, the world as a, a 30-year-old man, one of his favorite things to say was, was uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, you got to understand we have thousands of years of theological thought and following after God. And Jesus comes and he begins to flip it on his head because what God is doing is different. He's giving a gift that is so perfect and wonderful. It'll transform your life. It'll transform your life. And so what Jesus had to say was repent. And, and most of us, if, we, if we've been around church, we've heard this word repent. And we'll, we, we hear it, we think of this. Go down and say you're sorry. 
You need to be very, very sorry, and you need to ask for forgiveness, and God will save you, and then you can get into heaven. But that's not what actually Jesus was saying when he said repent. He was saying this word metaneo. Metaneo is not some southern uh, accent, you know, big scary pictures. You better repent. Actually, what he was saying was metaneo. And metaneo actually means word for word. It means to change your thinking. To change your thinking. See, religion will say that God is far from you. He's left you. He doesn't want to be near you. As a matter of fact, Ichabod is over your life. The glory has departed. But Jesus comes and he says, change your thinking. You change your thinking, which is this. The kingdom of God has come near me. The presence of God has come near me. The power of God has come near me. The glory of God has come near me. The favor of God. Peace on earth in my life. My response is yes, God. My response is yes. I want you. I need you. Please come near. And Paul makes it a point to say this, that he's not far from any of us and that he will be found by you if you just look for him. But oftentimes, it's our heart, our thinking that hasn't been changed towards God. The kingdom of God, heaven is near, but we have to change our thoughts towards his presence. That every day there's a gift under the tree. That every day he's saying, I got you something. I know what you're getting for Christmas. I'm so excited. Guess what? It's, it's going to blow your mind. But we miss the response. Miss the response. So today, I urge you with everything inside of me, respond to his presence in your life. Repent. Metaneo, change your mind because the kingdom of God is right near you. I'm sorry if somebody else told you that God was far off, that you had to do everything right to get close to God. That's simply not true. He has come down and he rules and reigns with all authority. He is wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. The government, the authority will be on his shoulders. Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. May the love of God be unto you. May the glory of God be unto you. God is here. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You know the turmoil of your soul, the turning of everything that's happening inside of you. I'm here to let you know that God is giving you a gift. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. It's not a one-time thing. It is a forever thing. It is continual. It has no beginning and it has no end. It is his nature and glory for your life. It comes with gifts, the Bible says. It comes with peace, joy, patience, self-control. It comes with power for your life. And maybe you've been living with a present under the tree that you forgot about because you thought it wasn't for you. But I urge you today to respond. If you're here today and say, God, I just want to respond to what you're doing. I feel it. I know it. I, 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 it's becoming clearer. Would you just raise your hand where you are? I want to respond to Jesus today. Awesome. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But God, 
One more moment. I pray right now for the people in this room that have been brokenhearted, lost, and confused over what has happened in their life. They're unsure of where you're taking them. They're like Mary. But I pray today they would accept the goodness of God and say, let it be unto my life just like you said. Let it be unto me just like you said. If that's you today, would you raise your hand with these other people? Thank you. Father, we thank you for the glory of God that is, the, that is poured out on our hearts. The love of God, the presence of God. Today we open it up, God. We respond like the kind of kids that you imagined to respond. We know that that, that, that feeling of wanting to give comes from you. That's, that's your nature in us. We respond and we say, yes, God. We receive it. We need it. Everything you have, God, for us, we want to open up. We want to rejoice and be glad in everything you're doing in us, through us, and for us. God, transform our hearts and our minds. We repent. We change our mind towards what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you got? Big praise today.